Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, we're excited that you're here. This is the last Sunday of our current message series entitled Letters from heaven, and it has been seven weeks, hard to believe, and uh, we usually don't do a seven-week series, but what we've been doing is taking each of the seven letters uh, in the second and third chapter of the book of Revelation. Um, You might not have known this, but Jesus Christ actually authored these letters. He spoke them to a man by the name of John. John wrote these letters in the book of Revelation, and they are letters to geographical churches. Every week I've said the same thing. They're letters to geographical churches of the day, but they're also letters directly to our church. In other words, when he mentions the church, it's important for us as Ocean View, as other churches in the world, to be able to pay really close attention, to ask questions about All right, how are we doing with this? Um, But he also writes it specifically to individuals. And uh, as as you read and as you reflect on this, you have to ask yourself certain questions about the symbolism in which Jesus is going to write. Um, Today, he is writing a letter to a a very famous church. In fact, um, even if you're not a Christian, you've probably heard of this church. Um, There are some statements that Jesus makes that a lot of us go ahead and we use in our regular life. Um, Even if you're not a Christian, you might have used it and not known where it came from, um, but he has a strong message uh, to this church. And the truth is today, uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to put ourselves in the hot seat. We're going to ask every single one of us, whether you're in the balcony or on the floor, we're going to ask ourselves to really do a reflection and put ourselves into three categories. And I'm going to explain that in just a little bit uh, later. But before we begin, just to set us up for this, recently I was uh, heading out of town. I was uh, traveling on a plane. It was an early morning flight, a six o'clock in the morning flight. And I am neurotic. Uh, I want to get to the airport in plenty of time because I don't like seeing individuals or even feeling like I'm running through the airport. I might miss my plane. I'm stressed. I'm sweating. That is not the way to travel for me. And so I'm the one who says, you know what? I'll get up a little earlier. I'll sit at the airport. I'll do a little work. I'll get on the plane. It's going to be wonderful. So this particular morning I got up really early and I got showered, shaved and everything and then got out the door and was on my way, taking my time because I looked, I'm like, oh, I'm even earlier than I normally am. It'll be great. I got some work to do. I'll just do it at the airport. Just me and God having a great conversation. I pull into the airport parking lot, get my ticket. I open the door. I get out the door. I start to walk away from the car. And you always do this check when you're traveling. You look down. All right, I got my bag. I got my backpack and laptop. Got got keys. Got to put in my backpack. And then and I hit my pocket. And I was missing something. I was missing my phone. Now, that might not sound like a big deal to some. But for me, I was traveling uh, to go ahead and speak at a church. I had all the directions all the confirmation numbers for rental car and for everything else, all the contact numbers for the church and the individuals that I needed to call, all on my phone. And I thought, I need my phone. I need to call, I can't call Jennifer. What am I going to do? And so in that moment, sheer panic hits me because again, I'm neurotic, so now I'm really stressed. And so I sit there and the fight or flight kicks in. Do I stay and just suffer and go without a phone? Or do I race back. It's an hour and 15 minutes till the flight leaves. Do I try it? So immediately I run back to the car. I open the car. I jump in the car. I do the speed limit all the way home. 
I turn around the corner, I pull in the driveway, I hit the button for the garage, the garage door goes open. At our house, we have two cars. Mine usually sits in the driveway, my wife's is in the garage. And so as the garage door opens, a sense of peace is happening with me because I looked at my watch, okay, I got here in by the speed limit in a very, very good amount of time. And I'm gonna be able to run upstairs, I'm gonna be able to grab my phone, I'm gonna get in the car, I'm gonna be able to get back to the airport, I'm gonna be on time. And as the door goes up, I notice in the garage, the car is not there. And so, of course, I think, where are you at at 4.30 in the morning, Missy? But then the next thought says, oh, my gosh, she saw that I forgot my phone. She got in the car, and she went to the airport. But now, I want you to pay attention to this. I was okay knowing the phone was at the house. I'm going to run in. The parameters are set. I know the parameters. I'm going to run. I'm going to grab it. They're set. Now I'm in a state of no man's land. Now I am sitting at the house. The plane is going to leave in less than an hour. I might miss my plane. I don't have my phone. I don't have a way to call my wife. Now I've got a moving target. I am stuck in a place in between that I don't like to be. So I get in the car. I drive back doing the speed limit. I get to the parking lot, go rush into the front door. Thank God. Jennifer is sitting in the lobby. And I walked in and she looks at me. And I apologize. My poor son is like this because it, it's early in the morning. Um, I won't go on to tell you that in addition to that story, I went ahead and got my, my phone. I got in the TSA line. I was two, two persons there. The mobile app wouldn't work. I had to go to the check-in at the front desk, sweating the desk, wait in line, get my ticket, run back to a long line at TSA, get into TSA. The person in front of me got flagged, and then I go ahead, and because the person had to take care of this person, I have to wait, and then they flag me, and some of you saying, I knew it. But no, it was nothing. It was just, you know, random search. And so then I finally go, and I look, well, the gate is usually right up the stairs. I'll be able to get there. And wouldn't you know, they switched the gate and it's the last gate in the terminal. And so I'm running through the airport and I finally made my flight. But I want to tell you something. Pulling up in that driveway was the absolute worst feeling in the world because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where I was at. And Jesus Christ is speaking to a church that finds themselves someplace in the middle. And what Jesus is going to say, and you'll recognize it when I, when I unpack it, he says it's really absolutely the worst thing that you can do. And so we're going to jump into Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 14. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, or you can, if you have the Version Bible app, you can look in there. All the notes are provided for you, or you can follow along on the screen. Those of you at home can follow along as well. We're glad that you're here. Here we go. Write this letter to the angel. Pause. Those of you who've been here every single week, you know that the angel is the leader of the church, the pastor of the church. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the amen. By the way, amen through scripture in Hebrew is the word truth. And so when you see that, you see all of a sudden it says, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, this is the message from the one who is the truth, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. If you're not a Christian, here's what truth means to Christians, if you just understand, because you probably heard Christians say, do you know the truth? Christians believe this, that the truth comes from God, that God spoke that into the word. The word is what we call the Bible. And Jesus is known as the truth. His words are truth. That's where Christians get right, wrong, and different. That's where we go to find our truth. Let me tell you a little bit about Laodicea. Laodicea was in a valley. It was a very wealthy and very, very popular church. 
They were well known for manufacturing black wool. It was glossy. It was weird, glossy wool. And so they were very well known for that. They were also well known for creating and making an ointment for eyes. Now, some of you are saying, well, Terry, get to the point. Why are you telling us this? You're going to need to know this a little later on, because if you don't know the Bible very well, when you see Jesus use illustrations, he didn't just pick things out of a hat. Last week we talked about Jesus knows the individuals, knows the area where they live, and he would specifically use illustrations that they would understand the most. And so Laodicea, black glossy wool, eye ointment, really, really good for helping you to see beautiful, wealthy church in the middle of a valley. Continuing on. I know all the things you do. Now pause. Every single week Jesus commends the church and then corrects the church. Notice here, his commend is this. I know all the things you do. That's his commend. And then he continues on. That you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Now pause. Many of you in your life have said, yes or no, hot or cold, take a stance. It comes from this scripture. Jesus specifically is telling the church, look, you are neither hot nor cold. You are like, and what's the illustration he uses? Lukewarm water. And I'll spit you out of my mouth. Now, for you non-Christians in the room or skeptics, you're like, aha, see, I knew Jesus was the mean God with a magnifying glass ready to burn us as ants. I know that's what you're thinking. But you have to understand something, and I'm going to unpack it in just a second. Why did Jesus use lukewarm water as an example? One thing you don't know about Laodicea. In the mountains above Laodicea, there were beautiful cold springs of water. And they would travel a long distance down. And by the time they get to Laodicea, they were not freezing cold anymore. They would be lukewarm. Another point. Down a little ways, there were hot springs of water. It was near Colossae. And these hot springs of water would also be piped in to Laodicea. But by the time they made the long distance to Laodicea, guess what temperature they were? Lukewarm. So Jesus looks and takes an illustration because the people, they love traveling to the cold springs on a hot day. They love going down to the hot springs on a cool day. They were miserable with their lukewarm water and they yearned for the hot or the cold. And Jesus says, you are just like your water. And you don't like your water like I don't like your water because it's lukewarm. I wish that you were hot or cold because you're lukewarm. I will spit you out of, your, out of my mouth like many of the Laodiceans when they drank the water. Many of them would spit the water out of their mouth. Why? Because it was lukewarm. Now you understand that instance. Let me bring it to today. I believe what Jesus is saying to us, the church, is this. Ocean view, visitor, regular attender, Where's your heart? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a little fun. We're going to play the game of which heart do you have. Okay? So we're going to talk about the first heart. And by the way, here are the rules. I'm going to name three hearts. You have to put yourself in one of the hearts. 
you creative people in the room, you're not allowed to create your own special heart and say, I don't fit here, I don't fit here, so I'm going to create my own, and it's my special heart right here, and this is where I'm at. You're not allowed. That's not the game. Hard lines. We're going to be tough today. One or the other. The first heart that Jesus talks about is what we call a burning heart. I wish that you were hot or cold. So he talks first about a burning heart. I wish that you had a burning heart. I wish that you had a hot heart. Now, why does Jesus say this? We actually see a glimpse of this in Scripture. Let me bring you back, and don't worry, you won't get lost if you don't know the Bible very well. There is a point in Scripture when Jesus walked the earth where he rose from the dead and he met the disciples on a road. And when he was talking to the disciples, he left the disciples. And here's what the disciples said. Take a look at this. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Didn't our hearts quicken? Didn't we sense something? Didn't we feel something when Jesus was speaking to us? Pause. It gives us insight into a burning heart. It means this, that if you have a burning heart, That means that in your daily life, that when you walk and when you have to make decisions, that you're as close to Jesus, that you feel and sense your heart quicken when you make a wise decision, when you make a poor decision, when you have to make a decision, when you check and balance and say, Lord, is this what you want me to do? Lord, I'm about to walk into a meeting. Lord, I pray that for my family today. You're talking to God. Your heart quickens. You feel close to him. I'll give you an illustration where I failed miserably. Yesterday, yes, yesterday, I was in the Toronto International Airport and I was going and rushing to get to my flight. And as I was in the airport, I had two bags. I had my backpack and I had a bag and I was moving quickly. I don't know the airport. I don't know customs and everything else. And so I'm moving and I'm walking and I'm walking, I'm walking. I pass a guy who has one of those carts with 30 different pieces of luggage on. I'm thinking, good luck, buddy. You ain't going to make it. And so I pass by and I kept walking. All of a sudden I hear a loud crash. I turn around and three of the bags had fallen off onto the ground. I stop and I turn. And what Jesus said to my heart, you should go and help that man. All of a sudden, another man came over and grabbed one of the suitcases. And so literally, here's what I did. He's got it. He's good. And I kept going. I want to tell you something. All through the TSA line, all through waiting for my flight, I was miserable. I felt like I had failed. I had to apologize to God. I said, God, I wish I could see that man. I wish I could be there again. Why in the world? I had plenty of time. My neuroticity took over. I was rushing to my gate and I got plenty of time. Why didn't I stop? You told me to stop. You quickened my heart and I failed you. Here's the point. When you have a burning heart, you are sensitive to what he says. You feel your heart beating inside and you're that close to him. Let me illustrate this. A, a, a different way because when I saw this video, I said, God, I wish, I wish, I don't, but I wish that when you talk to me and when you bless me and we talk to each other in prayer time, I wish I felt this way about you. Here's a story that captured the national media this week. In fact, yesterday was the culmination of it. There was a young boy by the name of, I want to get this right, Colt, Google the last name, Colt Kyler. Colt Kyler. And Colt Kyler lives with his parents on a farm in the Midwest in Illinois. And Colt is an incredible young man. 
He is selfless, and according to the testimony of his parents, he helps his daddy on the farm almost every day. He goes to school. He doesn't complain at all. He loves spending time working with his dad, and when his dad asks, he's not perfect, but when his dad asks him for help, he is always there to help. They don't have many resources. They're farmers. They can't leave the farm much because there's responsibilities. But his dad, one thing about this boy is, and you're going to laugh, I know, but it was a national story, He loves the Chicago Cubs. True story. And so his dad wanted to bless Colt. And here's what I want you to see. His dad is going to have a conversation. It's an iPhone video, so it's grainy. It might be hard to understand, but I want you to try your best to listen. But most importantly, his dad is going to bless him with a gift. And I want you to watch Colt's reaction to the gift. Take a look at this. You know, I kind of tested you a little bit today to kind of see how you'd react when I knew you retired, but you never once complained. You helped, worked hard. What's wrong? Yeah. What's wrong? Tired? Yeah. Well, it's kind of fun having all this stuff that keeps you busy, doesn't it? So... This is something here that you and I are going to do, and it's going to take a whole day to do it. Okay. So do you want to, do you want to do it? Are you sure? You don't even know what it is. I know. But you want to do it. Mhm. Be careful and open that up. responds in such a way because he received one of the greatest gifts from his dad. I wish, if you want to know what a burning heart is, it's when your dad, your Savior, your Lord, speaks to you, watches out for you, blesses you, that you are able to catch that and your heart is quickened in the moment and your heart burns with the same kind of affection that that little boy had for the beloved Chicago Cubs. Now, I'll pause and tell you this. Yesterday was the game. The Cubs had Colt on the field. He was able to give the lineup card. He was able to work on the field with the grounds crew. He was able to meet all of the Cubs. And then, yes, the Cubs did win by a grand slam in the eighth inning against the Cardinals. Just want to tell you all that. But anyway. So here's my question. Do you have a heart like that? If I were to ask you and you were put yourself in a place, do you have a burning heart for Christ? So right now I'm going to pause. You've you made your decision. Time's up. If you are not a burning heart person, then you've got two more hearts to go. Only two. Here's the next heart. It's a cold heart. 
And Jesus speaks to this. In fact, he says to his disciples and he talks about a cold heart. One of the days he's with his disciples, he's leaving Jerusalem. He turns and looks at the temple. He looks at all the buildings and his disciples say, Hey, Jesus, aren't they beautiful? Aren't these buildings wonderful? And Jesus said, You see these things? They're all going to fall down. They won't be here anymore. And the message to his disciples was, It's not the buildings. It's not the actions. It's the heart. And then Jesus goes on to say that there will come a day when the people's hearts will grow cold. And I want you to see what he says from that scripture in Matthew 24. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. The second heart is for those of you in this room that would say, you know what, Terry, I might have a cold heart. Now here's what a cold heart means. It means that you really don't care what Jesus has to say. It means that you don't really look at what, he, what is right or wrong, that you have your own compass, that you do what you feel is right or wrong, that when other people say, you know, God wouldn't necessarily want that or that's not really scriptural, you say, I don't give a rip. Um, you might, and by the way, if you're a skeptic and that's you, I'm not here to condemn you. It's not my right to condemn you. But I will tell you, I'm excited you're here. But you need to hear truth. Because Jesus says that a part of a cold heart, a cold heart is sin. It means that you don't pay attention to God. You do your own thing. Your right and your wrong is truth to you. And he says those individuals that have those kind of heart have a cold heart. So now, with that being said, if you're in the room today, do you have a burning heart? Or do you have a cold heart? Jesus actually says, I wish that you would have either of these. Because I'm about to talk to a heart that's worse. So now wait. Some of you are just getting it now. Wait a minute. I don't have a burning heart. I sure as darn don't have a cold heart. There's, let me create a new... No, you're not allowed. There's one more heart left. And this is the type of heart that Jesus is going to speak to me and to you about. And it's called a lukewarm heart. I want you to pay really close attention to what he has to say, and then I'm going to explain it to you. Take a look at this. You say, I am rich. Let me preface it. Laodicea, lukewarm hearts. You say to yourself, I am rich. I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need anything. And you don't realize that because you don't need anything, I've got everything, you don't realize you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Laodicea, you got a lukewarm heart. I don't need anything. I'm okay. And what Jesus says, you don't even realize how poor, wretched, miserable, blind, and naked you are right now. And pause. Some of you in this room know what I'm talking about because some of you have been walking down a road for so long and other individuals have been trying to point out your blindness, trying to point out your nakedness and you have refused to listen till you got to a point where life got tough and you finally were left to say, I need help. And then your eyes were open and you saw differently. And so watch what Jesus continues to say and I'm gonna explain it more. He says this, so I advise you, lukewarm hearts, I advise you, I want you to buy gold from me. Gold that's been purified by fire. I want you to grab a hold of me. And if you grab a hold of me, here's what I'll do. I'll refine you. The refining process does what? It pulls all the impurities out. So I want you to come and grab a hold of me and I will make you pure. Then you'll be rich. 
By the way, whenever you see in the Bible rich, it's not necessarily talking about wealth or resources. It's called rich in spirit and heart. And that's what Jesus is talking about. You'll be rich in heart. Also, buy white garments from me so you'll not be shamed by your nakedness. Remember I told you manufacturing, black glossy wool, gave them a lot of wealth because of the manufacturing. And Jesus said, you're depending on the black wool and you're naked, poor, and wretched and you don't realize it. It's not the black wool that is going to make you rich. It is not the black wool that is going to clothe you in righteousness, which is a right heart with God. It is the white robe that I can give you, which is a representation of holiness, a right relationship with God, holiness. If you wear this, you will be rich. You will not be naked. You'll not be shamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you'll be able to see. And again, he goes into their culture and says, you make ointment and you use it. And you think you see so clearly, but you are blind as blind could be. And I will give you the ointment so that you can see clearly. Now pause. Burning hearts. You can hang out for a while. God bless you. I want to meet you afterwards. If you have that kind of burning heart, I'd like to talk to you. Cold hearts. I'm excited that you're here and I want you to pay really close attention. Because I really do you think you'll see in the next couple of scriptures why we love Jesus so much. Because he cares for you. All right, lukewarm hearts. And I'm going to make an assumption that it's most of us in this room. He says that we're poor, wretched, naked, blind. He says to grab onto me, to get that burning heart. Be hot or cold, otherwise, Terry, I'll spit you out of my mouth. And he says, if you do this, I want you to see the love and tenderness of Christ. Take a look at this. I correct and discipline everyone I love. Pause. If you actually understand the real meaning of that, it means this. I care for every one of my kids. You're a child of God in here. And I don't care how blind you've been. I don't care how long you've been naked, how long you've been shamed and by way nakedness. That means you're walking around and you are making a fool of yourselves and you don't even realize it. You ever known someone like that who has been walking and walking and walking and they're doing the wrong thing, going down the wrong path and everybody around him knows he's making a fool of himself. He's making such poor choices. Wake up. And that's what the church at Laodicea was like. And Jesus says, wake up, grab a hold of me. And Jesus says, I love every one of my kids, even those of you that haven't realized it. And I will do this. I will give you what you need to correct. I will give you what you need to hold you accountable because that's what discipline is. Don't you realize that? Discipline is accountability. That when you make a mistake, Jesus says, I'm going to allow consequences so that you can be disciplined and then you can turn down the right path. And so he says, be diligent and turn So for those of you who think it's me and Jesus, it's not. It's a Jesus that says, look, lukewarm hearts. Today is the day that I want you to begin to walk and I will help you. I will give you correction and discipline. Let's go back to the lukewarm state. If you're sitting in a lukewarm state, here's what you are. You're poor. And he says, I will refine you. You're naked. I'll give you white garments. I will actually give you a white garment that will make you rich in spirit. And you're blind I will give you an ointment that will help you to see. Here's the point. Which heart do you have? Creatives, don't do it. Don't put yourself here. 
I know you want to. If you have a lukewarm heart, Jesus is looking at you and saying, I don't want you here. That's the message for everyone in this room, including me. Terry, I don't want you here. I don't want you lukewarm, hot or cold. I I don't want you going back and forth. Either take a stand. Either you burn for me or you reject me. But don't go here. Take a stand. Jesus actually uses an illustration. Take a look at the screen. Look, I stand at the door and knock. I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in. We'll share a meal together as friends. Here's the truth today. Dads, when you come home from work and Jesus quickens your heart to spend more time with your family and your kids, do you hear the knock? Moms, when you're home and you've got critical thoughts running through your head because it's not turning out or not happening the way that you want it, Do you hear the knock? Single adults, when everybody in culture and TV says it's okay, but you know that according to God's truth, it is not okay, do you hear the knock? Those in the room with cold hearts, those in the room that say, Terry, I have not needed a Savior, I'm a skeptic. He has been chasing you all of your life and every single time you ignore. But today, do you hear the knock? It's really simple. If you're a lukewarm heart today, he didn't want you to stay there. He's knocking on the door. And if you're sitting here, here, I'll just talk about me because I'm sitting in this chair. And when I read this, I said, God, forgive me. What are the things that I need to do to daily move to be a burning heart? God knocked on my heart this week. And I am not going to keep that door shut. Because watch what happens for those of us who say, God, I'm going to answer today. God, I'm going to change. I'm going to break a habit and I'm going to start anew. Take a look what he says. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus Christ today is knocking on this door. The question for you is, will you let him in? Will you let him in? Let's pray. In just a moment, Tangina is going to share a song. And I, I want you, eyes closed, heads bowed. I just want you to listen. Just try not to have distraction. You're either in one of those three categories. You either have a burning heart. And if you're a burning heart, I want you to start praying right now. If you have a cold heart or a lukewarm heart, I want you to listen up. You're not allowed to create a different category. I want you to listen up. God has knocked on your heart this morning. You have thought about something you're doing or something you're not doing that you know is not what God wants you to do. And God is knocking as loud on your heart as you can imagine. And right now you're trying to ignore it. And right now you're trying to say, no, no, that's not it. That's not what he's talking about. It's not about me. Remember, Jesus knows you by name. 
And right now he is speaking into your heart. And his message today is, I don't want you with a lukewarm heart. I want you to move to a burning heart. And so today he's knocking, will you let him in? If you've got a cold heart, those of you that have been sitting here, if you've been a skeptic, if you've been prideful, if you have doubts, we all have doubts. The disciples had doubts. He doesn't want you to stay in that place. He wants you to have a burning heart. So today is the day if he's knocking and pounding on your heart. Don't allow the awkwardness. Don't allow uncomfortability. Don't allow pride. Don't allow anything to stand in the way from you saying today, I need a Savior. In just a moment when Tangina sings, here's what I want you to do. As the lights dim and as you're in the comfortability of just your privacy of the moment, I want to encourage you to reach in front of you to grab a communication card. And on that card, there's a few places. And between you and God, here's what I want you to do. If you would say today, I want to rededicate my life to Christ. I want to move to a burning heart. I want you to check that box. If you have the courage and strength, put your name and information down. We're not going to bombard you or pepper you. We're just going to come alongside and say, how can we help? If today you'd say, Terry, I've never given my life to Christ. And today's the day for you to do that. Grab that card. Boldly check that box. Whatever God tells you to do today, don't walk out of here with a lukewarm heart. At the end of this service, I want you to either hand that card to an usher, leave it in the pew with you, come across the commons to me and hand it to me, go to the conversations room, hand it to someone standing there, Whatever God says to do, you do it. But as Tangina sings, I want you to listen and pray and talk to God. God, this is your moment. May you speak clearly to lukewarm hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.com. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.